Hi everybody and welcome to MindTap with Alternative Therapeutics. I'm Brittany. I'm Olivia. I'm Chase. Today we're going to be talking about thinking traps, what they are, how they impact us and our clients, and ways that we can cope. Enjoy! what they are, yeah. right, and how we might help our clients recognize thinking traps and work through them and maybe change those patterns, right? Yes. Yeah. So in discussing, in starting to discuss this topic, Chase and I were starting to debate, talk about whatever, our differences in how we approach this with clients, and so I thought we thought it might be interesting to just continue this conversation. Yeah. So, um, you know... Each clinician comes from a different background as far as how we were trained, what uh, approaches we like to use, what theories we adopt or agree with or whatever. And I come from a cognitive behavioral therapy background. I wouldn't say that that's like the cornerstone or anything of what I do, but it's definitely something that I tend to apply with, with many of the clients that I work with. Mm-hmm. And thinking traps, from my understanding, has... Uh, come from that in some ways. Mm -hmm. And so Chase was talking about his approaches and how he's more of a DBT kind of understanding. And so Chase, explain to us a little bit more about, um, you know, your approach and how thinking traps apply to the way that you think about helping people. Yeah. So I think I like to think of it more of a bottom-up approach more than a top-down. So I think you can correct me if I'm wrong with like CBT, but usually it's like, you know, thoughts lead to emotions, feelings, feelings right. and then that goes to the <laughs> behaviors and actions and all exactly. that good stuff. Yep. Um, so the way I like to help clients process it would be like, so the way we take in information from our world is through our senses. Um, and that goes directly to our nervous system. And from there, that goes up into our brain. And then all those signals are how we kind of go through that process, right? So our life experiences, right, are going to go through this filter of how we're going to normally perceive things, right? So that first thought is going to be that automatic thought that we talk about, the thinking traps, right? That's not something that we can necessarily control, but when we can notice that, we're able to shift, occupy it, do whatever we need to do to be able to manage that as opposed to kind of let it know get us on a negative feedback loop yeah yeah so i mean i can definitely agree with that Mm -hmm. and as you're as you were saying um cognitive behavioral therapy the the thought or the theory is that the way that we think about things impacts the way that we feel Mm -hmm. which then impacts like our behaviors in the world what you're saying is the feeling and the thought are kind of more intertwined yeah right yeah what you're saying and I think so, too. Like, so we can't necessarily, we can't stop our thinking, right? Mm-hmm. We can't stop what we're feeling, mm-hmm. right? But we can regulate how our body works, like mm-hmm. through breathing, noticing, all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So when we can get that regulated, 
we're probably going to be more aware of how we can manage the intensity of when the thoughts come up, when those emotions and those feelings happen. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm on board. So we're on the same page. Yeah. The um, Just to kind of give the listeners a little bit more information about what thinking traps are, I don't think we've really touched yeah, we on that a whole lot. Them, yeah. We've done some um, some social media posts about thinking traps mm-hmm. several months back and talked about some of the different ones uh, and, and ways to work around them. But basically, they are really common ways of thinking that can put us in a negative situation. Like mm-hmm. we're thinking, uh, we're trying to predict what how other people feel about us, or we're being very black and white with the way that we think about things. Um, but essentially, they are non-helpful Kind of thought patterns that mm-hmm. many of us experience. Um, so with your approach, with kind mm-hmm. of working on the way that people are responding to that initial thought, mm-hmm. are you also implementing um, ways to kind of change the thinking or that's not a part of your approach? Uh, I think it depends. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, because a lot of what I like to do is like, help people notice when it's happening and then like put some distance between us and that thought. Right. Mm -hmm. So being able to name it, whatever that might be, whether it's, this is, you know, I'm jumping to a conclusion, right. Or this is, I'm, I'm focusing on the negative right now. Yeah. And like just kind of validating that it's okay to think and feel that. Right. It's not because I think what happens a lot of time is we, we have this thought and then we like, oh, I shouldn't have this thought, right? Yeah, so, yeah that happens to me all the time. Right? So, <laughs> yeah, we all experience it. Yeah, and what we know about shoulds, right, is it leads to an expectation and then there's guilt and shame and all that kind of things that mm-hmm. just stunt our ability to be able to like problem solve or like develop an action plan of how we're going to deal with whatever we're dealing with. So just validating and normalizing that this is like a natural thing that everybody does mm-hmm. tends to take the intensity down a little bit at least yeah. like a little bit for most people sure you know, depending on their situation yeah i think it really depends on the client too because there are people who come in ready to really attack things from a cognitive standpoint like they kind of already understand their issues sure. or what they're experiencing <clears throat> they can they can work with it in a in a cognitive way mm-hmm. but there are some people who just are maybe traumatized or experience these bodily sensations or mm-hmm. things that happen to them and they feel out of control and mm-hmm. and so you can apply cognitive behavioral skills all day long but they're not going to surface yeah right? it's just all surface so it totally makes sense why mm-hmm. that kind of getting control of the body first yeah would be a much better approach for that type of person yeah there's a really good researcher i don't know her name is gonna escape me but when i think of it we will give credit where credit's due yeah. <laughs> um she likes to check in. It's like a mindfulness practice. So, like, when you have a thought, just check in. How old is this thought? Mm. Is this, like, an 8-year-old me thought? Is this a 15-year-old oh, me thought? Like, where is this coming from? And then the immediate thing is, like, what would that age me need right now? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. So, like, it instantly, like, when you are looking at the past, right, we're younger, there's something that happens in our brain, like we like automatically have a little bit more compassion for people that are younger than us, right? Like yeah. our kids. So yeah. it kind of 
takes the edge off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want to know. I can't. That's going to bother me now. I can't <laughs> think of her name. What's your name? We'll plug you. I yeah. promise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really interesting because I was working with a client uh, last week and she asks me, she goes, am I crazy? And I'm like, no, you're not crazy. It's just she's had a lot of trauma in her past. Like, right. Way more than I feel like anybody should ever have to go through in their life, let alone, mm-hmm. like, whatever. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just crazy, the stuff that she's been through. And I'm like, you've just been living to survive so sure. far. Like, you, that's that's how your mind works is, is survival mode, not, mm-hmm. like, trying to thrive because you just need to survive at this point. And so I think that's, like, where a lot of, I like that kind of checking back in, like, what, how old or how old is this thought is that what it is yeah Yeah, because that's probably where a lot of her thinking comes from is from when she was younger and it was adaptive and yeah yeah, helped helped her survive through those times so thanks I probably sat with my client next time I talked to her I think so too (laughs) like I I like to think of it as like everyone has their own lens that they see the world right Mm -hmm. and that is directly connected to like what we've experienced right so our past events dictate like what we believe about ourselves and like what we believe about the world, right? So, if you have like a shitty upbringing, mm-hmm. you're probably going to have not the greatest outlook and lens to see the world, as opposed to someone that didn't have to survive like horrible stuff to make it through. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, that's good. That's good background information as far as like how our counseling worldview, I guess, impacts our use of these tools. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's let's get get in more depth about what these different thinking traps are and how sure. they might impact people. Right. So I'm just going to read through the list of common thinking traps and maybe we can kind of touch on them. So mm-hmm. fortune telling, that's when we predict that uh, how we, that we know how things work, are going to turn out. Mm-hmm. Black and white thinking, so seeing things in extremes, good or bad. Mind reading, so assuming that you know what other people are thinking about you. Overgeneralization, saying things like always or never. Um, labeling, I'm stupid, I'm a loser. The way that we talk to ourselves. Overestimating danger, like I'm never going to survive this, I can't handle this. Filtering, so only paying attention to the bad things that happen and ignoring all of the good things. Catastrophizing is when we imagine the worst possible outcome for a for a situation, and should statements and Chase had mentioned should statements. <laughs> You're shitting all over yourself. Yeah, yeah don't, don't shit all over yourself. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things to say as a counselor. <laughs> I know, it's so tacky too, but I love it. <laughs> shitting yourself. <laughs> I feel like the thing that I do the most is probably mind reading. Mm-hmm. Like I'm always, I don't know, when I'm around other people, I'm like, what are they thinking about? Like. If I'm uncomfortable with what I'm wearing or something, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're probably thinking she looks so bad in that outfit or something like that. It's like, no, people aren't thinking that. Well, how do you think that that would impact you or a client if they are engaging in mind reading all the time? How do you think that that impacts the way that you engage with the world? It just makes you so self-conscious, like not wanting to engage with the world because you're always worried about what other people are thinking of you. So when you can kind of get past that, you can enjoy yourself more being around other people and in social situations because it's like 
If they are thinking about me, who cares what they're thinking? Because you just have to be comfortable with yourself. But that's much easier said than done. Sure. I think, too, it's it's easy with mind reading to get kind of caught up in your own head. Like, imagine yourself in a social situation and you're you're trying to process what other people are thinking about you in that situation and also maybe trying to listen to a conversation or, mm-hmm. you know, just enjoy yourself. You can really be in your head and not fully present. living in the present. Right. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. I think, I think I see black and white thinking probably more than anything Mm -hmm. with clients. Uh, I work with a lot of high achievers type of people. And so, you know, one of the examples is anything less than perfect is a failure. I think a lot of people can, can feel that way that they have to constantly be like, you know, driven and and doing things perfectly or it's not good enough. Mm -hmm. And that can really be hard on hard on a person yeah yeah or with people who are trying to make a change there's another example here i plan to only eat healthy foods but i had a piece of chocolate cake screw it now my diet's ruined i'm just going to go off the deep end with everything i eat you know like yeah. i think that's a really it's like all or nothing either mm-hmm. you're doing it 120 percent, or you're just you know flying off the handle yeah, yeah. so what about you, Chase? What do you see? What do you what stands out to you with, with your clients or just personally with, with some um, of these? Well, I think personally, I do a lot of shoulds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. I do. So I, I think and I mean that I'm a counselor, right? And I still do it because that's I mean everyone does them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so but I think with the shoulds, I'm able to catch it faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So I'm more mindful. Mm-hmm. And I try to have more compassion for myself, but you know, sometimes that isn't always <laughs> right. the most helpful. Um, I think in terms of clients, I think, because I work with a lot of trauma survivors, so overestimating danger is like a big thing, right? Because when we have something happen, yeah. what we know about our brain is the limbic system will be on overdrive. Yeah, play tricks of like anything same or similar to this event is going to be dangerous so we're going to be hypervigilant to that so I think a lot of overestimating danger when it's not necessarily what the situation actually is yeah. and then catastrophizing mm. um I do that a lot <laughs> yeah. yeah raise your hand yeah. <laughs> I feel like for me it doesn't really give me anxiety or anything though it's more of like a almost a coping mechanism mm. for myself I'll like What's the worst thing that can happen? Exactly. And then I'll be like, well, that's probably not going to happen. Or if it does, like, this mm. is how I'm going to be prepared for it kind yeah. of thing. So oh, yeah, I've heard you mention that before with, like, planning your wedding and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, it's like, I mean, from the beginning of all this pandemic stuff, people have been having to cancel. And I'm like, well, the worst case scenario is that we have to cancel. And what are we going to do then? Reschedule it for another day. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Sure. Yeah. Or... Yeah. Plans and- Kind of know what you're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's adaptive. I mean, that's, yeah. So, but I know that some people will do it to the extent where it, like, gives them severe anxiety as to, like, mm-hmm. thinking the worst is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Or. That dreaded what if. Yeah. 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 For sure. The one thing I heard about what ifs that I really liked is that we always think about the what if negatives. But there's also what if positives. Mm-hmm. And those are the things we never think about because those are the things we don't really right. care about. But so what I try to do is when I think of negative what ifs is I always try to put at least like one positive in there to try to balance it out. Because I don't think there's really any way to stop 
the negative what ifs. Like no. you, you can catch yourself, you can whatever, but there's, it's just an automatic thought, mm-hmm. right? So instead of trying to get rid of them, just making sure they're balanced with the positives, then it brings a little bit of weight off your shoulders. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And that was one thing that I was going to make sure that we touched on is, is like, and how we apply change for this with clients. Chase talked initially about, uh, you know, calming the body, being able to identify how old these thoughts are and kind of, uh, yeah, learning more about how you're responding to these thoughts. Um, and that's so important because the things that I apply, which are a lot of affirmation exercises, right? So Mm -hmm. kind of as Olivia was talking about rebalancing, going from negative to let's replace some of these thoughts with can do type of attitude. Like I am capable, I am strong, whatever those things are, Mm -hmm. but that is so hard to, it's so hard to make that happen until you've got that, that, you know, calmed affect first Mm -hmm. which is where biofeedback neurofeedback emdr all those other tools that we use Mm -hmm. really have a powerful impact to to calm down the nervous system and get people to be able to make real change in their lives yeah love it (laughs) all right anything else we need to touch on with this topic you guys think i don't know i think that that Covers a lot of it. I mean, we didn't go into full detail about all of them, but yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> and there's always the social media posts if you want to look back on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, I think it was probably the month of March 2020 that we something around there posted these. So we posted about each one and how they might impact you. And so yeah, give a little bit of detail about them, what they are, and so what are our, our social media handles. Oh, at Alternative Therapeutics on Instagram, Alternative Therapeutics on Facebook. Nothing crazy. And that's it. That's all we got. So. Check it out. Right. Yeah. Uh, and thanks for listening today. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>